0: God is good, I tell you. Wow, that that really touched me, George, because, you know, we've been there. We've been there. If you look on this, uh, you just have to trust me, but if you looked on this, my wedding ceremony that I have been using for... Dozen years or so, you'll see that uh, you'll see George and Annette <laughs> it's still one of the ones that was scribbled in there one day and uh, I remember that that day and since then I remember all the other stuff too. and I know that when the darkness comes, you just keep pointing people to the light. When people think that they're not it work for everybody but them, just remind them of what, what God says. Because there's nothing at the end of a long night, you really appreciate the light. Amen. And I talk to people all the time that when things get really bad, they just double down on stupid. You you know? George, in the toughest times, the most head-hanging times, Mm -hmm. the times when it's so hard to walk through that door because it's like everybody can just read your mail all over you, he came anyway. He called anyway. Knowing that I'm going to always do what? I'm always going to say what God says. I'm going to always remind you of who God says, you are. I'm going to talk you up. Instead of down. Amen. Amen. Darkness can't drive out darkness. Only the light can do that. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Pray with me. Father, thank you for this beautiful day ball is right around the corner. We feel it, Lord. We know, without even feeling it, that it's coming. Because you said, as long as this world exists, you're going to have four seasons. Sometimes it doesn't seem like it, maybe. (laughs) But you're going to have night and day. And you're faithful. So we know these things are true without having to worry about it, like the rest of the world springtime, harvest. We just thank you, Lord, for all the promises in your word. Help us to grow in these things today. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn over to Numbers chapter 13. You know, there's Well, get to that in a minute. Numbers chapter 13. The Moses had, after he got over his stage fright, like the song said, you notice he didn't have stage fright when he was 40, though. When he was 40, what went wrong? The first time. He tried it in his own strength. He tried to rescue the, the children, the Hebrews, in his own strength. All the prophecies pointed to him. You know what I mean? He knew there was going to be a Savior for his people. He knew he was Hebrew. He kn- and had been raised up in Pharaoh's palace been trained in the ways of war and, and had all the privilege and also had the, the pedigree to be the one to save the people and, and he was at his prime as a warrior as a, and trained up in, 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 in the, the wisdom of the world, I'm sure, you know, everything, right. all the best he had received. And I know that when he saw those two Hebrew slaves being beaten that day by that Egyptian guard, he said, he'd probably already been thinking about it. This is my time. I'm going to save the people. <laughs> and he tried it in his own strength, didn't he? If you don't know the story, that's not in Numbers chapter 13. I'm just... Alluding to something right now. But he tried. He killed that guard. And the next day. He, he thought they were going to be so thankful. He saw two of those Hebrews fighting each other. And he, he told them. Brothers don't fight. You're both Hebrews. And they said. What are you going to do? Kill us like you did that. Egyptian soldier then he got scared, and, he, and uh, Pharaoh wanted to kill him. He had to run, and he was hidden in the backside of the desert for another 40 years. Amen. It took God 40 years to get Moses out of Moses. And then, I guess this is where God wants me. It's not what, I'll get to Numbers 13 in a minute, maybe. Thank you, Lord. Have you wait. But the next time... You know, when he saw the burning bush and went up there and then God gave him instructions. And, and uh, so he was, God had chosen him finally at 80 instead of 40 to go and get the Hebrew children out of bondage. And he started, this is when he had stage fright. <laughs> I can't, I can't even talk. So what's in your hand? He said, a stick. He said, throw it down on the ground. He threw it down and it became a snake. And we know it was a deadly snake. And God told him, pick it up by the tail. How do I know that Moses was done with Moses? That all the layers like an onion of pride... That we have in our life were peeled away from Moses. Because he reached out and picked it up by the tail. He ran at first, but then he looked back and he picked it up by the tail. And it became a staff again. But Moses had made his mind up 40 years to think about it. If I ever get another chance, to serve God. I'm going to do it his way. If it kills me. Amen. Everybody knows you can't pick a snake up by the tail. Unless you want to get bit. But he trusted God. And he got it right. Amen. Amen now they're trying to get into the promised land a place of rest of milk and honey type and shadow of our salvation in Christ and he, Moses is going to send thighs into the promised land to check it out they're close. They're at a place called Kadesh where a lot of things happen. We'll look at that someday. That's where they, they first, he told him to strike the rock and water came out for them. And then the second time, he told them to speak to the rock and he hit it twice. And that's why Moses didn't get to ever go into the promised land. But another story for another time. This time, Moses was just being a wise leader and political and military leader and he was sending men into this new land to to check it out and it says in chapter 13 of numbers uh, let's look at, let's start at about verse 17 numbers 13 verse 17 Moses sent them to spy out the land they picked He picked the leader from each clan of the Hebrew, the 12 tribes, right? And so, and they were the the spies. And uh, so he sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And he said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is. Check it out. See what we're working with here. Whether the people that dwell in it are strong or weak, I mean, these are good things to know if you're going to have to go against them. Whether they're few or many, whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, whether the cities that they dwell in are uh, camps or strongholds, you know, are they fortified, do they have walls, whatever. And whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not, all smart stuff. We're going to have to do some building. We need to know what our materials are like, what the land is like. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Because now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and they spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen to Rahab, near Lebo-hamah. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron. Ahiman, Sheshai and Talmai, the descendants of Anak were there. These were giants. The Anakites, the Nephilim, these were from the time when angels came to earth and had relations with women here, human beings. And they had a breed of children that were giants. This is where Goliath came from. That's what they meant when they said that these... Uh, the descendants of Anak were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshcol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. <laughs> Wow. That's a big cluster of grapes. This place is prosperous. I mean, it's got some good, some good stuff. That place was called the Valley of Eshcol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of the 40 days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. So everybody's waiting to hear. They know they came from Egypt. It it was hard there. there were slaves. But at least they had food and water. Now they're in the desert, right? And they've been grumbling somewhat. But they're going to go into this promised land. This land of milk and honey that they've been promised. And they're waiting... To hear about it, they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. All right, so far, so good. Check out those grapes. And they told him, We came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Praise God. So far, so good, right? Y'all ever heard me say that sometimes we just need to get our butt out of the way? This is where they went. But, verse 28, However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So they started off good, but then they threw in a bunch of butts. But here comes another but, a good one. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said let's go up at once and occupy it. He was one of the spies, by the way. There was only 10 that had this negative report. Caleb is one of the good guys. Let us go up at once and occupy it, and we will and we are well able to overcome it. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. You know, there's always going to be giants in our lives. How George? (laughs) a lot of giants a lot of mountains to overcome a lot of valleys to pass through but there are always with God times of refreshing I try to comfort people with this all the time because it's a guarantee with God We're not like the world who has no hope. When things look so dark and they just can't see how it could ever get any better. And so it's basically all over in their hearts and minds. It's not that way for a Christian. There's always going to be not only mountains, not only giants and obstacles to overcome, but there's also going to be a plethora of people in your life who tell you that you can't overcome those mountains, those obstacles, those valleys, those giants. You can't win. (laughs) Just settle right here. Ever heard that term, every lake seeks its own level? You know what a madras crab is? (laughs) It's just a kind of a crab. But you could put, you could fill a basket with them, and while they are perfectly capable of climbing out of that basket, they'll never get out. You know why? Because every time they try, the others drag them back down. I guarantee you, you got some Madras crabs in your life. It doesn't matter, though, how they see you. If you heard the message last week, and I know you did, some of you that weren't even here heard it, and thanks to all of you who have been listening all around the world, I see you, and I pray for you. There's a lot more of you Than there are here with us today. So be encouraged. We love you too. But it doesn't matter how the naysayers see you. The question is how do you see yourself? How do you see yourself? These people, these ten spies of the twelve, besides Joshua and Caleb, they said. These people are so big. We saw ourselves as grasshoppers. And so did they. David went up against one of these giants, didn't he? Some years later. He's in the song this morning too. He took a rock to a sword fight. Although he took a rock to a sword fight. David. I can go and show you. But to save time. You just remember or take my word. He saw himself. With an advantage over this giant. Didn't he? He called him an uncircumcised Philistine. And in that. We understand why he understood that he had an advantage over this giant. Because of the fact that the giant wasn't circumcised, and he was. We're not talking about the cutting away of the foreskin. We're talking about his covenant with God. Matter of fact, this little ruddy shepherd boy... He was, he was pissed off at everybody there. Excuse my language. But he was angry at his own people for allowing this man to stand out there and, and, to, and for being afraid of, of, of them. When they were God's people... And these others didn't have God on their side. That's what Joshua and Caleb understood, is that God was for them. God had brought them out. God is the one who caused and brought the ten plagues on Egypt. And the final one was the angel of death. And he saw that because they had put the blood on the mantle, that that angel of death had passed over their homes. They were in covenant with God. He had brought them out of bondage. He had provided for them in the wilderness. When anyone else would have died in a day out there in the desert, he continued to provide for them. You'll find that for 40 years after this, their shoes and their clothing did not even wear out. Hello. Hello. If we went out into the desert like this today, how long do you think we would last? Our clothes, our supplies, our Hello. David saw himself as an advantage over that giant, and he did have an advantage. And we know those five smooth stones, he only used one. You know, that's a type in shadow, that fight, that battle of David and Goliath. When Jesus came up out of the Jordan, being baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. Baptized in water, dove. The Holy Spirit lit on him as a dove and remained on him. He was also baptized in the Holy, Holy Ghost at the same time. It can happen to you at the same time. It can be you can be baptized in water and then receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, or you can do vice versa. It's I can show you in the Bible, but you need both. Hello, I say you need both. <laughs> but that's the type and shadow of the battle that Jesus when He came up. After being baptized, remember, he went off into the wilderness and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he came and and the devil came to oppose him, didn't he? To tempt him. And Jesus answered every time with what? Scripture. Scripture. The Word of God. And if I'm correct... The word of God that they had back then, the Torah, was Genesis, there's one smooth stone. Exodus, there's another smooth stone. Numbers, there's another smooth stone. Leviticus, there's another smooth stone. And Deuteronomy, there's five smooth stones. That's the Torah. But Jesus only used one. All, every time <laughs> the devil came at him, he answered with scripture from that one smooth stone, Deuteronomy. The Bible's so cool. It's all type and shadow in the Old Testament of things that have been revealed now in Christ. So, how do you see yourself? Now, we don't want us—we don't want to see ourselves like Moses saw himself at forty, when he tried it in his own strength. Remember, a couple of weeks ago we had this message and we talked about so does. So does God want me to have low self-esteem? No. Okay, then I'm supposed to have high self-esteem. Well. Depends. Finally it came out. It's supposed to be Christ esteem. Christ in you is the hope of glory. Amen. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Hallelujah. Caleb. If you look over... And Joshua, just uh, probably on the next page for you, I think down, I want to show you about Caleb. Because God wanted to, I'm going to skip the part where God wanted to kill them all. (laughs) Because when they came back with this bad report, it made God so angry he was ready to wipe them all out and start over with Moses hello I mean how many times do you have to show how awesome you are and how faithful you are and how loving and caring you are before somebody starts believing you but Moses and Aaron prayed interceded for the people God spared them in his mercy they rebelled as usual grumbled against Moses grumbled against Aaron and they said we wish we would have just died in, in Egypt how, how rude <laughs> you know why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword would that we would have died in the land of Egypt they said our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? Document that in your mind and remember everything in here is a type and shadow in the Old Testament. Egypt is your old life, Egypt is your sinful life that you were brought from. God is never going to call you back to what He brought you out of. Amen. Don't even look back. <laughs> That's what Lot's wife realized. Huh? Oh, I was going to tell you about Caleb real quick. Because Caleb did the wise thing. Um, Chapter 14 of Numbers. um, Let's look at verse 6. Verse 5 says, Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. So they prayed for the people. God did spare them. But listen what Caleb said. Verse 6, And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. This is when everyone else was complaining. And said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us a land that flows with milk and honey only do not rebel against the Lord and do not fear the people of the land for they are bread for us that's the same attitude that David had you see that although he he knew they were bigger and stronger why did he see them as bread for them because he knew that God was with him That's what he said. Their protection is removed from them and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregation said to stone them with stones. You ever ever been so happy and upbeat and positive? (laughs) I I think of my wife when I think of this because she's that bubbly person and she's walking in a room so happy and stuff and then Before, you're there 10 seconds, they done sucked all the air out of your life? (laughs) You know? Oh, look at little Miss Sunshine here, you know? (laughs) It's like, golly. (laughs) Are you that bitter? You know? Then, they said this... them, But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a greater nation and mightier than they. Then they interceded. God pronounces his judgment. All right, I'm not going to kill them, but they're not going into the promised land for 40 years until this generation dies off out here in the wilderness. They're not going to enter in. It was just a three, just a few days' march from Egypt to the promised land, in Israel. You know that? And they went around that mountain so many times, just like we do. I there's people that I've love and deal with all the time and I tell them listen you think you think this test is hard well just just keep failing it like you are you get to take it again there's constant redos with God he doesn't just say oh my poor baby that was too hard for them it hurt their feelings I'm not going to make them do that anymore do you do that with your children when they are learning to be potty trained and you have to teach them to clean up after themselves or some people might say yeah <laughs> that's why they're still living with me at 50 you know <laughs> but you know what i'm saying the reason god makes us take the test over is because he loves us We're going to get older without even trying. But growth is intentional. And the kind of growth we're looking for only comes from God. From this word right here. Thinking of a place in Joshua. If you look up just another book or so in Joshua. Chapter 18. Yeah. You know, they finally did get to go into the promised land. Moses didn't get to go. I say it was... God said it was because he was disobedient and he struck the rock twice to bring water forth when he told him just speak to the rock, which is a type and shadow of our salvation now and Jesus not having to be crucified and will not be crucified again. But he didn't get to go in. And I, I think... I think that... It has a lot to do with... For, for our sakes, he, he wasn't allowed to go in. Although God loved him and he buried him himself. <laughs> what an honor. But Moses was a picture of, of the law. Right? The law would never bring us into the promised land. That's why Joshua... Yeshua... Type in shadow brought them on in. Amen. But (laughs) I love to see the things about the Hebrews because, again, just like the things that Peter made mistakes and things that make us feel a little better about ourselves, they were, man, they just complained so much against God and he'd destroy some of them and bring plagues and all kind of things and they'd They'd get better for a minute and then they'd just do it again. But they, had—they, you know, before they ever went to Jerusalem and put a temple up and all that came later. But they had their temple. It was temporary. It was what God told them based on what God told them to build. But they had it set up in a place called Shiloh. 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 I say Shiloh. And... Most of the people, and then they were given, like God had promised through Moses, they were all, each of the tribes were given land, portions of the new, of the promised land to go and occupy. Also, the day they entered into the promised land, the manna from heaven that had fallen for 40 years stopped. And they were so used to eating just what God had provided, you know, just this handout, that some of them actually (laughs) went out and tried to find the manna again the next day. But see, they were in the land of milk and honey, but it seemed like provision was cut off, you see. And now they had to work for it. It's always going to be that way with us too. Because God loves us. You know, if you won't work, you don't eat. Not if you can't work, you don't eat. Don't get me wrong. There are good programs for good reasons. Amen. Taken advantage of by millions. <laughs> anyway, I'm laboring on this. I'm sorry. but I'm thinking of so many things. That, so, the, the, the temple, or the, the basic, like, capital, okay? Does it be the word it was at Shiloh for a long time. And all these tribes, they had been given portions to go out, and they had gone out and conquered these lands. They had to go out and fight for them and went and cut down trees and this and that. But they moved into giant houses with giant beds and, you know, you know, the grapes were big and so there was, it was a land flowing with milk and honey. They had to go out and get it. Just like Adam and Eve in the garden. God didn't come and hand feed them and He didn't rain manna from heaven. They were there. They had to pick the fruit. Most of it was okay to eat. (laughs) There was only one tree. (laughs) They worked the ground. They they, they they had a great time there. But anyway, there were sick some tribes that they just got used to being there at Shiloh. And they never even went and got their land. <laughs> and Joshua tells them, because uh, God had gotten on to him. He tells them a couple of times, but in, ver- in chapter 18 of Joshua in the second third verse. So Joshua said to the people, wait I'll back up to the first verse of chapter 18. Then the whole congregation of the people of Israel assembled at Shiloh and set up the tent of meeting there. The land lay subdued before them. There remained among the people of Israel seven tribes whose inheritance had not yet been apportioned. So Joshua said to the people of Israel, how long will you put off going in to take possession of the land which the Lord, the God of your fathers, has given you. I point to this scripture a lot of times when people just seem to get on stuck. You know, is waiting on a word from God or waiting on a supernatural something. Then praying, then believing. But what are you doing? What are you doing? Everything you want, everything you need that that is for this life and godliness has already been provided to you. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. If you have Christ and truly been born again, you have entered into your promised land. It's not when you get to heaven. It's when you get into Christ. Hello. Hello. And all you have to do is agree with God. All you have to do is agree with God. I don't know where it is. I can't remember right now. I'm getting too distracted. But Joshua, I mean Caleb, 40 years later, he's he's 85 years old. And he he tells Joshua, he says, hey, remember, I was one of the spies. He got got to go in. He didn't have to die. The ones that had the good report, they got to go into the promised land. The others died off. Remember what God told me about my inheritance? See that mountain, that hill country. He says, I was 40 then. I'm 85 now. He says, I'm as strong as I was then. For war, for coming and going. Give me that mountain. The giants are there. God will be with me too. And we'll, we'll beat them. <laughs> I love Caleb. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, he said, I'm strong as I was then, but he didn't mean because of his physical strength he could go whip a mountain full of giants. He meant because God was with him. He never stopped believing. And he never stopped receiving. He got that that land. And he did go and take it. Amen. Amen. Faith is the evidence... of things hoped for, the substance. But you gotta see it. Our imagination as Christians is not just for fantasy, which is unrealistic and unobtainable and childish. But a godly imagination is what we use to create That hope to see things happening, to see ourselves healed, to see ourselves prosperous, to see ourselves blessed in every way, to see our family members blessed, to see our children saved, to see the overflow. If you can see it, you can have it. But if you won't get your hopes up, you're never going to give your faith anything to go out and get. Because faith is the evidence of things hopeful. Hello. So, how do you see it? You have to see it like the naysayers see it. Like the ten spies saw it? Or do you see it like Joshua and Caleb saw it? Because I guarantee you, the Bible says, and it is right, that as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's having the heart to be bold enough, to be brave enough, To be courageous enough to know that I'm not in this alone. There are more for me than against me. The angels and the armies of God are on my side. All because I believe Jesus Christ. And he is my Lord and Savior. Now, I can have what I say. I just need to agree with God to trust God to believe God to not see myself small those ten spies said we, those giants there we saw ourselves like grasshoppers and so did they then but not Joshua and Caleb Joshua and Caleb weren't any stronger or bigger than the other ten spies who had the negative report But they had courage and a positive report and a positive outlook and confidence that they could conquer the land and conquer the giants because God said so. And they knew God was with them. God had been with them. God parted the seas. God brought the plagues on Egypt. God brought them to the place where they were then and had provided for them when it looked impossible. He hadn't brought them out there to leave them to die in the wilderness or to feed them basically to a bunch of giants. No, he loved them. And he was trying to bring them to the place that he had created them to be. a, A land of milk and honey. A land of plenty, of prosperity, of peace and love and joy and provision and rest. You know, what comes to mind is something Paul said in the opening remarks of the book of Hebrews. Find it quickly. You know, can't find it right now. But what he does is he points out the fact that God has done so much. God sent his only son. He bankrupted heaven. Forget that the streets are made of gold. They're not paved with gold. They're made of gold. And every beautiful and wonderful and expensive thing you can imagine is there. Those things don't mean anything to God. He just likes beautiful things because he's a beautiful person and he likes to make us happy too. But he temporarily bankrupted heaven to send his one and only son here. To become a man because we had to have someone born of a woman to be our kinsman redeemer. We had to have someone like us because man is the one who gave it away. All the authority and rights and privileges. He never intended for us to go to hell. Hell was not created for people. Hell was created for fallen angels. But now he has to keep expanding the size of hell to accommodate all the people that want to go there. Paul's talking in the opening chapters of Hebrews about the fact that God has done so much and and how we just don't realize who we are and what we have. He says, "How will we escape if we neglect such a great salvation?" And the answer is we won't. People say, "If God is so good, how could he send someone to hell?" I can show you where it's not his will that any should perish, but that all be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How would you feel if you sent your only son off of his throne to a place where the thoughts and the ways of man was continually evil, to be their only hope, their only way back? The only way to redeem that fallen, corrupted seed of man that had been corrupted in the garden when they agreed with Satan. And then for people to spit on that. Everything to do with our eternal destiny and address has to do with the choices we make regarding the Son of God in this life. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And if you wait till you see him to do it, it's going to be too late. Some people just don't understand. Speaking of Hebrews, look over in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. And I'm going to try to to cut myself off here. I know I've kept you this morning. I hadn't even really scratched the surface of what I want to... we just make it a series, amen? We never finish, we just stop, start again. Hebrews chapter 11. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Some versions say the evidence or the substance of things hoped for, like we just discussed. The conviction or the evidence of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that were visible. You know, in the book of Genesis, eight times, it says that God spoke and then something was. You see? Everything we see and know was created by words that God spoke. And then He created us in His own image. We creative beings as well. God would love for us Remember how I talk about how when Jesus sat down, it's because he was finished. He gave us his authority in the earth to be his hands and feet and mouth. Over all the works of the devil, we have authority. But so many times we're just in agreement with the devil. Whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not, doesn't matter. He would love for you to not believe that he even exists, that old devil. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly or to the full. Satan, the thief, came only to steal, kill, and destroy. Everything that has ever been stolen from you, every aspect of death, whether it's sickness or poverty or strife or divorce or any of those other ugly things, anything that's been destroyed in your life, has always been Satan. Yet so many blame God for the things that the devil has done in their life and they run to the devil, the one who actually did it, mad at God. Jesus said, No, this should not be. How long, God said, How long are they going to keep on treating me this way? How long till they believe? How much do I have to do to prove myself and my love? Eight times God said it and it was. Faith is always voice activated. And whether we realize it or not, we're releasing life for death. God said, I put, I set before you today, life for death. Choose life." We have power. People say, well, words don't really matter that much. It's just words, just talk. Sticks and stones will break my bones, the words will never harm me. Lie. Words are more damaging than the sticks and stones. Well, I guess you could be stoned to death and be all over. But I'm telling you that the words are producing death and life in your life. Every day. You have angels who do the bidding of God, and they are word activated. His words. This word. And then you have fallen angels. I don't call them angels anymore. They're demons. But they're in this room, just like God's holy angels are. And they're waiting for legal right to go to work on your behalf or for your destruction. Who are they getting the authority from? You. How do you see yourself? Because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it shall eat the fruit thereof. This word is truth. Everything else from this world, which is run by Satan temporarily, is a lie. If it doesn't line up with this word, it's a lie. I have a friend that I love and I've been praying for him for years because he just doesn't get it. He studied the, the, the word and then he's gone and studied other religions and he's a student of the world. He's a, got great degrees. He's a smart person. And he said, I would call him a good guy except I know that no one good. there's no one good but God, right? And unless you have God in you, you are not good. But I pray for him, and I can and He just can't get over. He always puts out scriptures about uh, from the Old Testament. Uh, oh yeah, this is the good God you're talking about. Uh, if you beat your slave and he doesn't die, and he dies, then you're going to be punished. And if he doesn't die by the third day, then you only have to get this. I mean, he some of the scriptures and what he does. He's trying to understand the God that we talk about in the New Testament. And reason God through trying to understand the things that that happened. You know, and, and a good example would be how how Moses allowed for divorce, you know, a certificate of divorce you could give your wife and you'd be free of her. They asked Jesus about this, and he said Moses did that because of the hardness of your hearts. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, Moses was just trying to, to navigate some rough waters with, a, with a, an ungodly, complaining, sinful people. And he had to put some things in place just to keep order. Amen. But that was never God's will. You understand the difference? God only wrote ten laws. Man made all the others. Moses had to do some things. He even got help from his father-in-law who was not a believer in his God. And God told him that was wise. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We don't need to see ourselves as grasshoppers. Yes, there are giants in the land. But yes, you have a God who is mightier than any mountain that you have to face, any valley you have to go through. And He is ready and able to help you through that valley. To cause that mountain to be uprooted and cast into the sea. If you... If you pray and believe that you have what you've prayed for, when you pray, you shall have it. It's a kingdom of opposites. The world says, well, when I see it, i believe it. God says, you're never going to see it. Believe it now, and you will see it. Believe in me now. And you will have the evidence of the things that you've hoped for. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for this beautiful day and for your precious word. We thank you that you love us so much. We thank you for the power and authority that you've given us in our salvation. We thank you that we are not self-confident. We are Jesus-confident. We are Christ-centered, and we know that Christ in us is the hope of glory. And we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Not in our own strength, and because of that, we will not take the glory. We will give it all to you. We will point to you on every occasion. We'll praise you at all times, even in the storm, Lord. Knowing that you are there, you are with us, you are for us. We will not even try to love based on our own strength. We know that Christianity is not about behavior modification. No good deed, no good works, no matter how good the world says we are, it can never earn us a place in heaven. Only. Only through our trust in Jesus Christ. Knowing that you sent him to die on this cross for our sins. And that he was resurrected from the dead. And that he lives today. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. We put our trust in him as our Lord and Savior. And we know that he's coming for us soon. And we say, come Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We love you because you first loved us. And we will love others out of the overflow of that revelation of love that you have for us. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't forgive. We can't love the way that you want us to in our own strength. Live through us, Lord. We want you to. We invite you to live through us. Paul said, the life that I now live is no longer I who live, but Christ who liveth in me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and gives life to this mortal body. Thank you, Lord. We receive all that you have for us. We know that all of your promises are yes and amen in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.